and welcome back to State of Mind. I'm Grace Kingswell and I'm a nutritional therapist and this is my podcast series that's all about empowering you to take control of your own health. If you're new here, the back catalogue of episodes includes one with Debbie Lewis, functional medicine practitioner, in which we debunk the biggest nutrition myths, Tom Parry, a Wim Hof breath and ice instructor, Richie Norton, a movement, yoga and lifestyle guru, and most recently, Emmy Brunner, a clinical psychotherapist who specialises in mental health and body image. So much knowledge right there. It is my absolute pleasure to bring you this podcast and I am honestly over the moon that it's gaining more traction and being heard by more of you lovely listeners. Turns out I really like talking to people and long may it continue. In order for me to keep doing this, I need to eventually get a sponsor. And in order to eventually get a sponsor, I need gazillions of downloads and heaps of reviews on the Apple Podcasts app. So this is where you come in. If you enjoy the weekly content, then please share the podcast to your Instagram stories and encourage your friends to subscribe as well. You can also leave me a review via the podcast's app by navigating to the library section, clicking on state of mind, and then scrolling down until you see the five stars and the write a review button. Okay, so I think I've poured my heart out to you enough now and we better get on with the episode. This week's guest is my dear friend, Hayley Ray. Hayley is a women's health, nutrition and well-being coach who helps women turn pain into power. The reason for this is that since age 11, Hayley has dealt with the most crippling period pain, but for 10 years, her doctors refused to believe her and left her to deal with this condition, which later they discovered to be endometriosis. She tells the story of how 10 years down the line, she finally went in for some keyhole surgery to diagnose endometriosis, and the doctors found an undetected cyst on her left ovary. Haley took the situation into her own hands and has worked hard on lifestyle changes that have enabled her to manage her endometriosis and her PCOS. She now coaches women one-to-one, speaks publicly at events, and generally just shares the wealth of knowledge she's built up in how to deal with a chronic condition and turn things into a positive. I had such a lovely chat with Haley, and I hope you enjoy it. So, on with the episode. The first question I ask everyone is, what was the last thing you did that positively impacted your health? The last thing I did to impact my health positively. Yes, that is the question, but you're just saying it in the reverse. (laughs) I would have to say putting myself on this journey that I've been on was the last thing that impacted me so positively, definitely. Um, Yeah. What's the what's the journey? Do tell us. Okay, so obviously being an 11-year-old and now I'm like 30, I was on that journey back then having, you know, started my period and being unbelievably crippled in pain each month up until the age of around 22. So I definitely feel that that was the point of where it's led me. But then obviously since I've been you know, in different years of my life, I've kind of spiraled off in different directions. Your message and your goal and your awe and everything you're about is empowering women who experience either endometriosis, um, PCOS, or just basically to, to be in control of their cycles, to feel empowered, to feel confident. Tell us a little bit about your journey with regards to that. You you mentioned it started when you were 11, when your periods um, first came. 
what's led you, you know, what, what's been the story up until now? Tell us all about Hayley. So again, at a risk of repeating myself, being 11 years old and having, you know, started my periods very early on in my kind of, I guess, entering womanhood um, is what I like to call it now. It was such a kind of isolating journey because you're crippled over in pain each month or during that 28 day cycle that we're in and you're going to the doctors and like you know being told that you're a hypochondriac for almost 13 years is quite a challenging time so how I've dealt with this and changed it from a negative into a positive is basically by helping others take a painful situation and really enter their power for kind of womanhood um, almost acting as if they were their own hero rather than the heroine mm-hmm. um, sort of um, so sorry go on yeah and sorry um, basically Obviously, I also work with other women who have either been through a really terrible heartache or a breakup or something that's really left a negative imprint on themselves. And I really, I don't know, I think since the age of 25, I've been on this spiritual path and certain situations in my life have led me to this moment, which is basically able to transform someone's life from a painful place into a powerful place. Mm, Amazing. So... So let's wind back the clocks. You started going to the doctor saying, I think this isn't normal. I'm in intense amounts of pain every time I'm getting my period. And you were told it's all in your head. Yeah, exactly. So the more times I went back to the doctors, they actually told me on several occasions, more than once, that I was actually wasting their time. And this is actually going to maybe shock some people who are listening to this, but I know that I'm not alone in this um, place. I actually got told, um, he brought a nurse into the room and actually said, you know, the nurse said, are you suicidal? Because I was in so much pain each month coming in to this doctor's surgery where I grew up and they just literally didn't know what was wrong. And I knew there was something wrong within my body. However, I was being told that there was something not, like I was fine and, oh, it's probably just hereditary period pain, which then in fact, it didn't turn out to be hereditary. hereditary. Mm -hmm. It was more of the fact that I had endometriosis and PCOS and all of these other things that had gone on inside. So I just found it really unbelievable that actually that put me in that position of isolation and almost feeling anxious about what I had because it almost made me second guess everything like, oh, well, maybe I don't have it, but why am I in this pain? And mm. So when did you actually get the diagnosis kind of proper of endometriosis? So the year that I was finally diagnosed was in 2013 after my first laparoscopy Um, and that getting to that actual position of even being allowed to have the laparoscopy took me 13 years effectively um, to get there and to get the diagnosis and the gynecologist when actually performing the laparoscopy um, is only meant to take a 45 minute procedure. I was actually in there for six and a half hours because of the undetected cyst on my left ovary that actually turned out to be 10 centimetres by 10 centimetres. And she was so shocked. She couldn't believe that they had missed on a, you know, an ultrasound um, examination prior to, you know, three months prior to this. And then coming to find this on a table being Mm. like, what am I meant to do? Mm. So I 
this is probably one of the only times in life where saying this phrase actually is legitimately real. I know how you feel because b- both you and I have had a 10 by 10 centimetre um, abscess on an ovary and it's not a nice experience. Um, gosh, I mean, 13 years of battling with the medical profession saying how much pain you're in just seems like absolutely crazy to me that no one took you seriously. I mean, was endometriosis not really, I'm going to say not really a thing back then, but was it something that, because it's quite in the dialogue now. And I think Mm. um, if you did go to your GP these days with severely heavy bleeding, um, incredible pain around your period, you know, they probably would look into it further if it was kind of unusual circumstances, which yours obviously was. Mm. But back then, presumably not. Yeah, exactly. Like back then, I think it was so, you know, not in the circuit almost because it is like endometriosis, PCOS, fibromyalgia, they're all kind of in the wellness space at the moment. Mm. And I really felt then it wasn't in the space. And if anything, you know, when I finally got that diagnosis in 2013, when you're in a GP surgery, they have everything on system. They can type in a word and they can just scan the reference of what it means. And it's almost like they're just scanning the reference and saying, oh, this is it. Good luck. Mm. And there's no aftercare. Aftercare. There's no even like suggestions. Well, this is what's kind of, you know, where you should be moving, where you should be moving your life towards. And that's when I took all of the kind of practice into myself. I basically am a I guess self-taught health nut. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, what were the next steps for you? So when I finally got the diagnosis, I went to a gynecologist and she then um, test, like she then, you know, mentioned, hey, I really feel like you should go and have some food allergy testing. So because I was getting all these problems with my bowels, bloating, like the very typical symptoms that come with endometriosis. And before the diagnosis, I actually got told that I had IBS. Now, bearing in mind, I was at that stage in my life working within a corporate environment. So yeah, maybe I did have a bit of stress and that was, you know, bringing on the inflammation, couldn't digest the food properly, completely understood that. But then I actually went and had the food allergy testing, came back as gluten sensitivity, lactose intolerance. And then finally from that, I got the diagnosis of having endometriosis after the laparoscopy because they actually found the tissue this you know the tissue that's growing outside the endometrium and um yeah and then obviously the uh, the cyst on the ovaries so um I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this podcast who can probably really relate I think um you know and endometriosis unfortunately is quite common among women um what are some of the ways that you Uh, have adapted to cope with it on a daily basis you know what are your best mechanisms for living with endo so living with endo it's all about a lifestyle change and before I even was diagnosed with endometriosis I was living in the most possible like a harmful way of affecting my health smoking and drinking and people might be really shocked because I don't smoke or drink anymore Mm. but and you're a wellness guru (laughs) I know which is crazy (laughs) but I guess everyone has that journey and life path and you have to grow through what you go through almost yeah yeah and you know 
then obviously with the drinking and the smoking and going out, dancing, you know, music festivals, all of this stuff. And I love going to music festivals still. It's just more of a sober affair mm -hmm. these days. And that for me really put me on that path. So again, it's taking the stress out of your life. And it's not just your job, it's actually who you're, you're associating yourself with. So when you stop drinking and you stop smoking and you stop doing the things that you used to be associated with, you actually find that you're not aligning with the groups of people that you're surrounding yourself. So really energetically feeling the space that you're in, like trust your gut almost mm. like, oh, you know, would I be friends with this person if I met them now, you know, now? Mm. And I think as you evolve in your life, you literally do kind of, you know, it's like shredding friendships and it's not a bad thing. It just means you're evolving and moving forward. So again, reducing stress has been the biggest thing. So taking up yoga. And when I finally, like in 2013, when I started researching everything, like stress management, I was like, yoga, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> ujjayi breath, like, what is that all about? But again, it's all about resting everything within, you know, the inside of yourself, because we have cells, and they respond to everything. Mm. And whether you're in a stress or state or not it's going to come through so stress management has been a big thing for me and then diet that's been a second biggest thing um diet within itself like there are so many you know do's and don'ts in the in the wellness world of well what you should do and what you shouldn't do but absolutely we're all bio-individual what works for me might not necessarily work for someone else but when I work with my clients on a one-on-one -on -one basis it's almost going and digging really deep into what's going on outside of their plate and then that shows me what's going on inside their plate as well. Mm. Amazing um, so your message whether that's via your social channels or just you know, meeting you as a person is all about positive positivity, but also respect. How does how do both of those two concepts play a part in your everyday life? So when you have the respect for yourself and you've really understood the things that you've been through in your life that have challenged you, made you grow and, you know, going through the anxiety and the depression that actually can be caused by chronic conditions, it really gives you that respect for life and taking things like for what they are and just embracing every moment. Mm -hmm. So being in respect of yourself, having been through something that I've been through in with my health and my wellness journey and also, you know, through heartaches and that journey and also grieving my father from this year, it's always given me that new sense of respect of we're all on our own journeys and you don't know what actually is going on to the person that's sitting next to you on the tube or the guy that you get your matcha latte from mm. and just a smile and asking someone how they are it's showing up mm. and then the positivity I've always naturally been a positive person um and I guess I'm not going to go down this route because it's not about, you know, you're not um, a horoscope podcast. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but please I, do. But I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, stars and astrology and horoscopes and, you know, my moon sign. It's all, like what your emotion um, is. I'm a Pisces. So when I'm oozing with happiness, everybody knows that. But then when I am sad, people also, I give off that vibe, but it's, 
and I'm you know I'm not perfect I'm not a um but I am naturally like a positive mm. person how do you um cope with those and, and what do you do during those times that you are sad or needing you know to just retreat what 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 are your mechanisms so when I want to retreat I come off all social media like stop scrolling because comparison when you are in that state of mind um you're going to be looking for that fixture almost and picking up your phone is you're trying to avoid what's going on in the inside so stop scrolling come off that lie down meditate for five minutes and if you don't want to meditate then just be within that motion of what you're going through and just keep on repeating like a mantra it could be something really personal to you for me it's just like these emotions are within me but they don't define me and writing things down is a really powerful way like journaling in the morning exercise obviously going for a walk um, making yourself a herbal tea is Mm. you know boiling the kettle and popping in the water Mm. what um you've mentioned a few nice practices and rituals there can you talk us through your morning routine of course I love the morning um so my morning routine I wake up and I make myself some hot lemon water and I love that it's my ritual it's that's when I do my gratitude list and I stand on the balcony overlooking um, from where we live in Shepherd's Bush and standing on the balcony and just listing three things. And if I go past three things, then I know that I'm in a good flow in that morning. Amazing. (laughs) Gratitude. And being really grateful for that moment because it's just as everyone's waking up and there's something really special about when everyone's waking up. It's almost like this energy and it's that feeling of stillness and living in a city we don't tend to have a lot of stillness within our lives Mm. so it's really important to do that and then after that I either meditate for 10 minutes and this could be just practicing breath work or even listening to an app which there are so many apps now which is fantastic for people that are new to meditation Mm. and then taking myself to either a hot yoga class or going on a run or which is new for you isn't it the running the running is new I used to be a really avid runner back in the day when I first got diagnosed with endo and picos and exercise became a really big part of my life and I've even ran like a half marathon and some 10ks and then that kind of slid and slipped when I started to do more exercise like yoga or spinning class and I actually found that running is just the most such a powerful way to get out of your space and just into that kind of life form almost in front of you Mm. so it's that's yeah my morning routine and then coming back and having a smoothie and some breakfast yes what do you what's your go-to for breakfast oh my goodness well smoothies are my go-to or a smoothie bowl I love avo on some toast as well some like good gluten-free sourdough Mm -hmm. um poached eggs olive oil sunflower seeds um chia puddings like my mouth is drawing right now. <laughs> breakfast is your favourite meal of the day. I would say that breakfast is my favourite meal. And when I make a smoothie, I pack it with coconut oil. So I've got some really good fat kind of keeping me fueled um, to lunchtime or for early supper. I try and eat before a certain time in my evening. Yes. Um, yeah. Is that just because you're keen to get a good night's sleep or for your digestion? Both. Both. Like, I'm... Um, yeah I am such a sleeper like I've got to this you know I'm 30 now and I've always 
said to my friends, oh, we will be back like by 10 o'clock because I have to, you know, get to bed. Sleep hygiene. Yeah, sleep hygiene, exactly. But also for digestion, like I wouldn't go to bed having had a full blown meal. And I'm not one of those people that can like just crash out. I've got energy after that. So it's eating, you know, a couple of hours before bedtime. And if I haven't, I've missed that window, then I have a light snack. Yeah. And that, you know, it's, yeah, as long as it's not heavy. I wanted to ask you about wellness in general, because obviously we're seeing an kind of upsurgence of wellness as a concept. And, you know, that can be taken in so many different ways. And there are people out there doing a lot with it, in, you know, very differently. Um, do you think, though, that the concept of wellness has become a little bit cliched or a bit trite? It's almost, it's become a, like a rather saturated market. And I know that from being in that industry, it's almost like you're banging on everyone's, you know, or emailing, knocking on everyone's mm. door to be kind of told no, or and then they circle around within a couple of months to talk to you again. And I do find that, you know, there are over 7 billion people on this planet. And with social, the power of social media, it's such a positive thing, being able to connect your story and reach out and know that others are going through what you're going through mm-hmm. as well. So I, I find that within this market currently, yes, it might be saturated, but everyone has a voice and everyone has a story. And I know that there's someone, you know, for every 10 people, one of those people in that lineup will be drawn to you Mm. so I think it's really important for anyone listening that is thinking about coming into the wellness space there's room for everyone it's just you know people say oh it's the right place at the right time I really don't think that I think it's actually just showing up consistently every day and people on social media just don't see what goes on behind closed doors usually sometimes and the the actual strength it actually takes to get to that place of where you're you're going to Mm. And what what does kind of self-care and wellness mean to you? So self-care are values like and boundaries. And I've really grown to understand that in the last, I guess, gosh, five years. Um, I just really understand that you have to be in a relationship with yourself more than anyone in this world, because effectively you're going to be with yourself until you know the moment that you pass away so if you don't have that relationship and you're nurturing yourself through whatever you're doing it's going to have that kind of backlash effect and it Mm. will creep up into different relationships and areas of your life so it's really important to set really strong boundaries for yourself I'm not saying being selfish it's almost about when you need to take that time for yourself don't feel guilty for saying actually I need to do this right now. And this is really important for me. Mm. It's almost just having those honest conversations. And wellness is, it's a lifestyle. And it is, it's almost, it's such a, like, it's so hard because I feel like, you know, wellness is a taboo word, but it's not because it's more than just a lifestyle. It is a, it's a living thing that we all have to do. Like your well-being is so important. Mm. Um And just going back to that idea Mm. of being in a relationship with yourself Mm. and, you know, that respect, how does that play out in your relationship with your partner? You know, if you're (laughs) just playing devil's advocate, (laughs) like if you're, you know, putting yourself first, Mm -hmm. how do you give to another at the same time? So if you're giving to yourself, you are going to be fully capable of giving to somebody else. 
that if you're fully giving to someone else and you're not giving back to yourself, you're going to burn out pretty quickly and you're going to be looking at that person thinking, you've stopped me or you've held me back or I'm really angry because you're not here. And, you know, I've been in past relationships growing up where that was known. I was really in the space of like, you know, the little things that now that I look back on thinking, gosh, I just didn't give myself that, you know, respect to be by myself. And I think when you've been by yourself and you know your likes and your dislikes and what you value, it becomes much easier to give someone that respect for yourself to somebody else. Mm, lovely. Um, so if you were to give the women listening to this podcast, sorry to alienate you boys, um, <laughs> kind of three sort of tips or recommendations for coping with endometriosis and PCOS, what would they be? So first and foremost, if you haven't got the diagnosis first, um, are we talking about if they have a diagnosis or? Both, I guess. Both. Yeah. Okay. So if they haven't got that diagnosis, then don't give up. Keep on going. You've got to really stand your ground with the doctors or health professionals because at the end of the day, you know your body. They have a 15 minute gap where you can talk to them and they might just you know, be missing that missing link. So don't give up hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and obviously, if you did want to go down the surgical side, then obviously I would recommend doing that because, you know, endo and PCOS isn't curable, but it's actually manageable through lifestyle. So that would be my next thing is your lifestyle. So what are you putting into your body? What are you putting onto your body? It's not just the food. It's... Um, products you know removing toxins that's huge is because obviously there are so many toxins flying around us all the time and then the um third would be stress management as well really making sure that you're keeping your stress so yoga is perfect mm. meditation also sleep getting enough sleep um and then I guess going back to the second point about um the yeah, it would probably be adding supplementations as well, like where you're going mm. through. I wanted to ask you, um, what's been your experience of mental health whilst you've been on this endometriosis roller coaster? So prior to being diagnosed, my mental health, I would say, was it looked stable from everyone around me but it was really up and down because I went through you know years of having this crippling pain take over my life to the point where I would be passing out and throwing up and you know and girls around me would say oh you don't even you know get up you're being a drama queen and having people tell God, me that's that, awful yeah like those people aren't my friends anymore. I should just clarify that. <laughs> Good. Um, and it's almost that you feel alienated because you know there's something different about you, mm. but then you also don't realise actually the implications it does have on you until you come out of the other side and like, whoa, I really hid beneath my illness. And that actually seeped through into my, you know, my life. And I hid behind hair extensions and the false eyelashes and the fake tan and all of that, because it's almost that validation that I, I wasn't giving to myself. It's quite crazy, really, to look back on it. 
but I'm so yeah you have to go through this to really know where mm. you stand amazing mm. um so these three questions I ask everyone on the podcast juicy and I, and I know you said you're like yes I glance at them but I don't want to give it too much thought because yes. I want it to be off the cuff yeah <laughs> um if there was one thing in life that you could do again what would it be This is such a like. Now you're gonna wish you'd done your oh, homework, Haley. Yeah, I know because there's so much, so many things. Um, I okay. I think where I'm stood right now and sat um, with my life, if there's anything that I could go th go through again, it would be. I know this sounds really cliche, but I would just love to go for a surf with my dad. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that would be the moment that I would take myself back to is having Fantastic. a surf with my dad. Yeah. And I suppose it might be a similar sort of um, answer, but if there was one thing you could change, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think if, again, these, I should have done my homework. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go to my first answer. I'm going to say I really wish that I would have told my younger self to trust the process more and just have faith that whatever you're going through is not the end result. There is light at the end of the tunnel and you need to keep going and just to trust mm. the process. So what's the what's the path you're on now, Haley? What's next for you? Well... I am building up what I like to call my Haley Ray empire. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, it's just working with thousands of women who have gone through endo or are at the beginning of their endo journeys, PCOS, something, a chronic condition, whether it's a broken heart or grieving that process and coaching within my coaching practice and my lifestyle um, practice as well. So that would be the next step. And then obviously just building online programs and retreats and then also working within the wellness corporate space which is becoming a thing now yeah um which is really super exciting and then I would just think just keep moving and just you know if I you know I always feel at the end of the day it's never like I'm so hot like we're so hard on ourselves and I'm hard on myself too it's like I always feel oh it's never enough but then if I know that I've at least helped one individual and when I receive messages of, oh, you, I really needed to see something that I've posted or shared, that impacts me greatly because mm. it's almost like, wow, it's 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 powerful. Mm. It's, yeah. Yeah. And finally, the podcast is called State of Mind. What does state of mind mean to you? State of mind means being fully present and in the flow of your life. So whatever is coming towards you, just embrace that change, embrace the time and really be within that state of mind. And just for whatever it is, you know, it could be something that you've gone through or you're going through or something's happened to you. It's just embracing it, but not letting it define you. Mm. Mm. lovely thank you so much thank Hayley. you this has been a really I think um I want I was gonna say brief but not a brief episode it's just that you just know exactly who you are and what you need to say and what your message is and it's been wonderful to talk to you and I hope that our conversation has touched and affected lots of women um to share their stories and take control of their health and their lives 
Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, it's been a pleasure being with you. Thank you so much again for tuning in to State of Mind. As I said in the introduction, I'd love it if you could share the podcast with your network and leave a review if you haven't already, as this really helps to get the podcast heard by more people. Have a great week and I'll chat to you next time. Bye bye. Thank you.